Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I'm Connie, along with Jack Frost in the making, Meg. (laughs) Today, she's going to tell you about Barbara Hoffman. I just watched uh, Rise of the Guardians for the first time. I know it came out in 2012, but I cried watching it. I don't know why. I don't know why I cried. Like when all the kids are like, we're going to save you, Jack Frost. I don't know. Have you seen it? It's on Netflix. No, my oldest watched it. And then our youngest was really into or our middle was like really into it. But I, I, if the, I watch a movie with the kids and I'm not interested in it, which most of the time I'm not. I get like a 20 minute window and then I'm snooze city. Yeah, I'm asleep now. I'm like an old grandpa. Like you put me in the corner of my couch and it's like snore galore. Uh, that could be your drag queen name. Snore galore. Better than whore galore. Been called that before too. <laughs> Slore galore. Slore galore over here. Uh, Anyways. So today we're going to talk about Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> that was not planned. We all know it. We all know the the voice. Oh gosh, um, that's Minnesota. That's yeah, Minnesota. wrong, wrong. Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> I've never been there, but I assume that's how you guys sound. Um, and I'm gonna go take it back to Christmas times. So let's do that. So on December twenty fourth. 1977 in Madison, Wisconsin. Jerry Davies, also named Gerald Davies, but I'm going to call him Jerry mostly. He woke up to his girlfriend Barbara's urgent voice demanding that he wake up so that they could talk. He was completely blindsided when she explained that just the day before she had arrived home from work to find a dead body in her bathroom. She didn't know what to do, and she asked him to help her hide the body. Now, just a few hours before, they had spent the evening together at her apartment, like drinking and snuggling. Was the body there? Yes. We'll get to that a little bit more. But like they had just been canoodling, um, and technically it was his fiance, but I did call her her his girlfriend but so this is 2 30 in the morning that she wakes up and tells him this so they fall asleep and then a couple of hours later she's like hey wake up you gotta help me hide this body but and they were just, at her house they were at her apartment yeah oh, okay and so she goes or he said why don't we call the police she's like no no we can't do that i can't explain how a dead body got into my bathroom I didn't have anything to do with this, but the cops won't ever believe me. She told Jerry that she believed she knew who was behind it, that there were people who were trying to get her in trouble from her old job, and she begged him to help her before anyone found out. I would have been like, I will absolutely help you, babe. Just give me a second. I'll be (laughs) right back. Again, is this again, the police? Not, not ride or dies. No. But Jerry loved his girlfriend, and he had just woke up, and his girlfriend's like, "Okay, let's do that." 
And no. Barbara, of course, had a plan. Why wouldn't she? I That's just random. It's like, I've never experienced this before, but hey, I know how to get rid of this body. So he had seen her earlier that morning and he had felt like she was really distant. And he had been thinking about it all day and said that he should call her after Christmas. Like, call me a couple of days after Christmas and we'll meet up because they were going to go see their like their own separate families. Mm -hmm. And then that same night she called and was like, hey, why don't you come over and we'll canoodle? And then this happened. So Barbara has Jerry pull his Chevy into the parking lot behind the apartment building. And he backs it up to a heap of snow next to a green dumpster. Barbara met him there and began to dig into this snow. Oh, no, I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> yeah, she began to dig into the snow heap until she revealed a frozen bed sheet that was clinging to a man's body. Together? Go ahead, what? How the hell did she get him out there? She wrapped him in the bed sheet and pulled him like down the stairs and i'll talk about that a little bit more in a second <laughs> so because it's evident that that's what she did um the car they opened the trunk and they wanted to put him into the trunk but the trunk was too small so they're like we'll put him in the back seat oh and it was too small so they put the driver's or the passenger side down and put him in diagonally and rested the man's head on Barbara's lap while she sat in the back seat and he sat in the driver's seat. So she had to like cradle this corpse's head in her lap, which is not cute. What the hell? Not a good look, Barb. Barbara. <laughs> Barbara. Barbara's. Oh, Barbara. She lived near the University of Wisconsin, uh, and it was Christmas break, so campus was pretty much deserted. It was four o'clock in the morning. It was snowing. It was very eerily calm as Jerry silently drove while Barbara issued directions <laughs> about where to go. What do you think was going through his mind? Probably like, drive, drive, drive. What the what? What is happening? What are we doing right now? Why is this happening? I would have wrecked that car into a pole and took off running. And then like, <laughs> fail you later, Barb. You uh, think he was thinking about dumping her ass? Because like I would be like, no, he was not. He was not thinking about dumping her ass because he loved her. This is the first girl that Jerry ever kissed. And he is 31 years old. Like, he is in love. Uh, I am in love with my husband. And if he ever came to me like that, I would be like, that's going to be a no from me, dog. <laughs> I'm out. So Barbara is telling him where to go. And they finally get right outside of town. It's near the top of a hill. There's a lot of maple and pine trees around. And they pull it out of the car and the sheet had kind of thawed. So it comes off. Oh, and Jerry's like, ah, 
stares horrified at this body but then they just kind of she takes the sheet off shoves it in a garbage bag and they drop the body in the snow on this hill and cover it pretty haphazardly and then jerry drives the car down the road and she like obscures the tire tracks with like a tree branch like a cartoon and they both drove away in silence just pure silence snow melts yeah i mean it is like winter in wisconsin so probably not for as probably not as quickly as it does down like here oh i am like wanting to vomit because i'm thinking of smells and textures and if you don't know what happens then you should look it up but <laughs> it's don't don't google that ah mm-hmm. uh, so they are almost back to her apartment and she tells him she's like you're gonna go buy this specific kind of cleaner you're gonna wipe down the entire interior of your car dashboard seats everything she told him to go home get some rest and don't forget that she was his fiance don't forget you love me i love you babe (laughs) don't worry about how i know how to dispose of a body and clean up afterwards it's fine (laughs) So he goes, he went home and he tried to sleep, but he couldn't. So no he, shit. <laughs> who could? So he drove to his mother's house. She lived in like a very rural home. Rural. Rural. Uh, and he was going to go spend Christmas Day with her because now it's Christmas Day. But he felt physically ill the entire time. He tried his best just to like hang out and spend time, but he could not forget the image that had been burned into his mind when that sheet slipped off of the body from the morning before. Oh my God. Because specifically what he had seen were the swollen reddened testicles and an enlarged discolored penis. And he could not stop thinking about it. So he left his mother's house shaking and scared and went to the nearest police station. When he got back to Madison, he walked in and said, I helped someone get rid of a body yesterday. And if I've done my job, you're like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. And good for him. Good, good for job, you, Jerry. Oh, escape. So what is going on? Jan's health spa opened up in 1973 it's a massage parlor from the outside absolutely not a massage parlor on the inside and we've all heard the stereotype you know exactly what i'm talking about this massage parlor doubled as a secret brothel and that was what you found at jan's on any evening you could find it filled with men hanging around smoking and drinking waiting for a topless massage that they had paid for this $50 for 35 minutes. What the hell? I want a topless massage for $50. <laughs> for 35 minutes? It's a good deal. Um, but you were normally able to negotiate for more when the door was closed. It was such a popular location that sometimes the line went out the door and into the street. It was crazy. One of the most popular workers at Jan's was Barbara Hoffman. She was actually the most popular worker there. She had been dubbed the queen of massage parlors. And even when there were girls available, people would wait more than an hour just to see her. 
And well, that's suspicious because they're only supposed to be 35-minute massages. <laughs> So, no, it's fine. It's like, you're right. So, this guy, his name's Ken. He owned this massage parlor, but he also ended up opening three other locations in Madison. So, there were actually four massage parlors that this guy owned that all had the same shtick, literally. Yeah, same vibe. So, Barbara Hoffman, though, pre-massage parlor, had been a University of Wisconsin student. She was a straight-A biochemistry major with an IQ of 145. She spoke three languages and played the French horn. She had graduated high school in 1970. She had a full ride to Butler in Indy, and she hated it. So, she transferred to Chicago, and she hated it, and she ended up in Wisconsin, where she maintained her... 4.0, but on November 15th, 1974, only 12 credits away from obtaining her bachelor's degree in biochem, Barb dropped out. And that was the same week she started at the massage parlor. She sent a letter of illness to her dean and he granted her, "Take, take the time that you need, no problem. She re enrolled in the spring and then withdrew before the semester started. And she did that like a lot from 1974 to 1977 she would enroll and then she would decide not to shoot enroll and then she would decide not to she enrolled in an abnormal psychology course for three weeks and she went to it for three weeks and then she withdrew and didn't go back again so jerry and barbara met in 1974 at her place of employment she performed sexual favors but according to her she would never have sex before marriage because she had a psychological block that she suffered from. She was not okay with being intimate in that way. Initially, that's actually he was, kind of normal. Yeah, I yeah. think that's fair. So initially, he was going to see her once a month. He, he would wait more than an hour just to talk to her. He wasn't even going in for anything other than to just speak with her. Um, and then he's started to go more frequently he just really wanted to see her and barbara suggested that they meet outside of the parlor by 1976 they were engaged she had quit working at jan's in favor of a clerical job at a medical insurance company they did not live together but every morning jerry would pick her up and take her to her job and then he would go to his own job at the av department at the university of wisconsin but despite how they met Their relationship was not intimate. Um, Barbara actually attended therapy to try to overcome her fear of intimacy. And Jerry was just trying to be considerate of her. It didn't bother him, but it did make him not as confident in their relationship. Was she sexually assaulted or anything as a child? It doesn't say, but I I got those vibes. Like maybe some kind of trauma yeah she sometimes it you'll hear later that she has never spoken about it so unless some psychologist out there somewhere knows i am not sure but i do believe so yeah my thought would be either a traumatic incident like that like either she was like sexually assaulted or um i've seen it a lot where sex was spoken like with such a negative tone and like yeah. with such a shame, like 
it was like kind of drilled into people's heads like this is so shameful it's shameful it's shameful and then it becomes like a <gasps> I can't do that yeah I remember when we talked about um like Issei Sagawa and how his family was like his life growing up was fine but it was just so taboo then like you couldn't talk about it and it was nice. maybe it was something like that um but there he Jerry just wanted to make this work regardless of what she had going on so when she asked him to help her hide a body he was like yeah okay but he went to police and the police issued a search warrant for Barbara's apartment and they found zero physical evidence that could link the body to the one that she and Davies had disposed of but they did find a manila envelope addressed to Linda Miller and investigators were like who the who is Linda Miller but Linda Miller is also Barbara Hoffman. Yeah, this was the other side of Barbara Hoffman. The dead man from the beginning was Harry Burge from Stockton, Wisconsin. He worked at a tire plant. He was pretty alone. His parents were both deceased. He only had a sister. He really didn't have any friends his autopsy suggested that Harry had been beaten to death with a blunt instrument with a minimum of four blows to the skull and that his genitals had been bludgeoned. I have that is excruciating and awful and nobody should ever have to go through that. Yeah. So investigators, they headed to find Barbara after Jerry dropped into the station and they found her at her parents' house in Chicago. They brought her in for questioning. And they told her straight up, they were like, hey, we know about Harry Burge. And we have spoken to Jerry Davies. And she just said, am I under arrest? And when they said no, she left. She called another former client of hers, Al Mackey, who was a divorced lawyer that Barbara had also spent time with outside of the parlor. Um, and she just went to go home. But by the 28th of December, they had executed four search warrants on her apartment and pretty much blocked her out of it. But she still had no evidence against her. So they are digging into this. You know, they're like, why? What is happening? Like, this guy tells us that she was in there. We can't find any blood. We can't see it. There was nothing that even said that Harry had ever even been in her apartment at any point. Oh, wow. So the police get information about Harry Burge's estate. And something is finally starting to click because in October of that same year, Burge had gone and had his will adjusted. He had left his 1971 A-frame home and his life insurance policies to Linda Miller his fiance. Oh, what the hell? <laughs> he paid cash to have the documents adjusted and Linda, aka Barbara, became the sole heir to Burge's estate. So, the theory before this was that Harry had gone to Linda's and tried maybe coming on to her like, "Hey, you're my fiance, we're going to get married." And his body was found with, like, scratches on his neck. So they assumed that maybe she pushed him away and kicked him in the balls. And while he's been over, she bashed him in the head and he died. 
that's when she enlisted Davies to move her. But she had wrapped his body in that um, sheet and pulled him down the stairs out to the out by the dumpster. And he had bruises and contusions like all over his body from postmortem. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know that a lot of times they. It's like, oh, he came on to her. Um, no, he did not. That is not. Yeah. and it, but I'm going to tell you right now, that is not what happened. I was going to say, you don't have that kind of trauma to your genital regions with just a kick in the kick nether in regions. Kick Yeah. That's And then fun. during, I mean, she does go to trial for this, and they were like, how could this girl pull this guy down the stairs? And all I can think about was like, how I move furniture when my husband, when I'm like, hey, you want to help me move this? He's like, yeah, give me a minute. I'm just like, I'll just do it myself. Yeah. You just like, you have like woman strength if you need it. Well, just and not even that. reserves. Like, that's a life or like she. Yeah, then that's it's, adrenaline it's like too. You or me, like I got to get him out of my house. Like, yeah. So I think absolutely she probably could have done it. And as we all know, if she was going down, like a basic physics, like if you're going down on just stairs, like it's, him. yeah, yeah, that's so unfortunate it's, for it's him. It's gross. Yeah. So now they've just finally figured out that Barb and Linda are the same person. And they actually found out not only because of this document, but because of Jerry, because they were like, hey, does the name Linda Miller mean anything to you? And he said that after Barbara left the massage parlor, Linda Miller was the name that she had chosen to like get get me away from that life. Okay. So Linda Miller also was the benefactor of the $35,000 from Harry Burge's estate. But bad news for Jerry, because in January of that same year, he had named Barbara the sole benefactor in his million dollar life insurance policy. So she was arrested on January 18th, 1978, just a little less than a month later. And as the case went on, March brought big new revelations. So a letter was received from Jerry to the police mailroom. And this is what it said. I want to write this letter because I want to set the record straight. I was scared. I was jealous. Barb is innocent and I wrecked her life. All those stories I told about Barb are false. She had nothing to do with the body at all. She never did. I went crazy. I was so scared. The police scared me. I was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. Then I had to keep telling the same story or they would charge me with a crime. Now they did it to Barb instead and I don't know what to do anymore except to tell the truth. I'm not crazy anymore, and I'm not scared. I want to tell the truth. I'm not afraid to go to jail. Barb never had anything to do with the bar- mm. body at all, I swear, and they can do what they want to me. Sincerely, Gerald Thomas Davies. So Gerald's pretty much the sole testimony for this pending trial that she's on because she's arrested. She's out on bail, technically. She paid $15,000 and got out on bail. But... The 27th of that month, a maintenance man entered Jerry Davies' apartment and found his corpse. No! Yes. It was next to an empty bottle of Valium, and it looked like he had committed suicide. 
But when his autopsy returned, the results were inconclusive because everything was too clean and the Valium wasn't in his system. He... They just, they couldn't find anything. They were they like searched between his toes. They searched for you know syringe marks. Anything. There was nothing. It was like he fell asleep in his bathtub and just chose not to wake up. But it was Davy's death that cinched this case as first degree murder, because while they were examining tissue samples from Davy's corpse. A toxicologist was like, huh, that's a weird smell. It smells like almonds, which is the telltale smell of cyanide. Yep. So Davies had enough poison in him to kill two men. And they were like, hmm, maybe we should exhume Burge and check this out. Burge's body was exhumed and tested. His body contained 37 times the lethal dose. Of cyanide? Of cyanide. Oh my God, this bitch. So they go digging harder and they found the documentation that linked Hoffman to a recent cyanide purchase. She had a receipt for it. And they compiled just enough circumstantial evidence to convince a jury of her guilt in Burge's murder. Unfortunately, because it was so clean, she was acquitted in Davy's death because there wasn't enough evidence. Are you kidding me? Nope. It was just, it was so clean. There was no other than, and I'll read the closing statements here in a minute because it's she should have been convicted of both, but she had the same jury for both, and they convicted her of one and not the other. So I thought that was kind of interesting. So if he was murdered and she was acquitted of his murder, did she get his money? She her so his mom contested it and i think she ended up only getting like ten thousand dollars or something but she did get some of it but his mom that is disgusting i know it's awful so another part of how she was caught and what cinched this is that her former employer ken the guy who owned all of the massage parlors he made a deal with police because he got busted trying to buy like fifty thousand dollars worth of cocaine from undercover cops he said that when he worked when he would be at jan's barbara would do quaaludes and she would start talking when she was high and she told him that she had met someone he was super naive he was inexperienced and she had just like infatuated him And she told him that she was going to leave the massage parlor if he would marry her and if he would take out life insurance and make sure that their future was secure and, you know, the whole shtick. Mm -hmm. So she insured him for close to a million dollars with herself as the beneficiary. And because she had this extensive background in biochemistry, she knew what to do with like toxic stuff like cyanide but she wanted to culture um like a she wanted to give him botulism that's what she wanted to do was give him botulism so they were going to get married and go to mexico and she was going to feed him something that gave him like the she was going to grow a culture that was botulism and make him eat it and then he would die from food poisoning in mexico Yeah, that is 
a horrific way to die. It's so crazy and manipulative and just like the layers here. I'm just, and I want to woman fight is, her. Yeah, this woman is nuts. Um, so her plan was that the body would be turned, would come back to Madison and be cremated. And then she would collect that insurance money. But her boss sang like a canary. Good for him. Yeah. So the closing remarks were like, <laughs> let's take a look at both of these facts. Both of these guys were nude when they were found. They died of a lethal dose of cyanide. They had eaten a large meal before they died on holiday weekends. Both of them knew the defendant. They both met her at the same place. They were single. They were loners. They had insurance policy policies on which she was the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. It's not really a coincidence, right? No, that I feel like that's it's it's all laid out right there. And the and... idea that she was convicted of one of not the other is crazy. And it's so distinctive. Like if you even if he was like a jealous lover and he was mad and enraged, he wouldn't give him 37 times the amount of cyanide somebody might have in their body. No. Like, he would bludgeon him to death. Yeah. That's what would happen. Like, poisoning someone requires that they trust you. And yeah, these men he, did trust he, her. Yeah, and he is, in a, like you said, in a fit of rage, it's going to be a crime of passion, not a crime of, like, planning and, yeah, like, it's meticulous detail. Not like what she did. She yeah, plotted. exactly. She never entered a plea. And to this day, she says she is innocent. When she was convicted of first-degree murder of Harry in July of 1978, she stood up and said, I did not commit the crime of which I was accused and of which I was convicted. And that was the last thing she ever said about it. And that's when she goes in for her, like, parole hearings, that's what she says. She was like, I did not do this. Maybe they should give her a quaalude. <laughs> she could talk. So that is the case of Barbara I wonder Hoffman. if there were any other... There were. So she did this to, she didn't specifically murder other men, but she manipulated other men. There, The reason she found out about this insurance scheme and she wanted to try it was because she had manipulated an insurance guy and like he would take her out on his boat and she said that she would have sex with him because she didn't have a psychological block. That was not a real thing. It was just something mm -hmm. she was using to manipulate these men with. She would have sex oh, with him. Oh, I see. And ask him for information about insurance and how to how that works. And then after she got all the information she wanted, she asked him to take out a loan for her or to co-sign on a loan for her or else she would blackmail him and tell his wife what they wow. were doing out on the boat. So he did. He signed, She ended up getting like a $30,000 loan with this insurance guy because of blackmail. He, she probably destroyed his credit. There's Definitely. no way she paid that back. No. <laughs> no. So, yeah, that's, uh, what a bitch, man. Yeah, man, fuck her. And honestly, like, why would you, she, like. Uh, it was all money. It was all uh, just to get she's money. She's in the head and I hope she, did she get life in prison? Yeah, she got life in prison because they didn't have the death penalty in Wisconsin at that time. Man. Mm -hmm. With parole, though, so that's some bullshit. But she's still in there and she's still kicking it. I got to see what she looks like. 
I will tell you that she is beautiful, which I fucking hate. Like, it's easy to see how she manipulated these men. But having pretty outsides doesn't make up for those ugly ass insides. Man, that's what she got a taste of that money. And she was like, I don't need school. I have learned everything I needed to learn straight up. I think that's what it is, too. And it's so unfortunate because like she could have made her own damn money. Like she could have have done so much more. She had limitless potential that she I mean, every I would say everyone does, you know, I kind of wondered about the abnormal psychology class that she just randomly took Mm -hmm. because it wasn't part of her curriculum. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if she took that because she was, like, trying to be introspective about why she was so crazy. Or if she could get reasoning if she ever got caught. Oh, yeah, maybe that, too. I think it pisses me off so much because I think of all of the, like, dudes that we grew up with that they could have fit that bill. Like, Like, kind of loners, kind of quiet, like you know, didn't have like a lot of a long dating history, like growing up. And then people like that take advantage of like the nice guys. Like it's. Yeah. I hate that. It was. Ugh. And um, I thought it was interesting because I know there is that stereotype and I of like massage parlors being like secretly brothels, but mm-hmm. I had never really. uh I don't know, read too far into it. I was just like, yeah, that's a stereotype. Oh, yeah, it's a thing. Which I'm like, I. And it was the 70s. Yeah, and it's like, damn 70s. (laughs) I will never shame someone for doing sex work. I cannot put myself into a situation to be like, what would make you want to do that? That is, you that is your decision yeah it's not my place and honestly like if you can use your body and like you are a willing participant like if you not like if you're being consenting adult yeah like if you're not being forced into sex work and you are not a minor etc etc i have nothing to that's yep do do you boo boo i have nothing to say but but to, to use it as a hunting ground to find naive men to later murder, that's a little shitty. Dude. I, uh, that one was a, uh, suggestion also. And I, sometimes we get suggestions and I always put them in a file. I have like a file full oh, of me each too. one. <laughs> yeah. And I had gotten that one just a couple weeks. I think it's like less than two weeks ago. And I read the article that they sent me. I was like, oh my gosh, scandalous. And I learned way more than the article said. I, I will say something about suggestions for just a second. We get a lot of, like, I am someone who has a very, like, ironclads. There are not many cases that kick my ass, per se. Mm-hmm. But when it the I don't want to break anybody's heart, but the cases where it's like straight up brutality to children, like constantly, like we've done a few of those and I can't I have to spread those apart. Like I know they're part of the true crime world, but I mean, Meg and I have kids. We have daughters. We have have sons. Delve into them too hard. It's just like 
It weighs yeah. on you. Yeah, like um after I did the James Bulger case, I I was I had nightmares. Yeah. So it's not like when you send us a kid and you're like or send us a case and it has like horrible things being done to children. And if we're not like very receptive back, it's not that we don't think it's like like a sick case. Yeah. It's, it's like, obviously worthy of being heard. Yes. But at that time it might not be uh, our brains might just not be able to do yeah, that. Yeah. Uh I obviously like you can't have a true crime podcast without doing cases that involve children because that's, you know, unfortunately it's a huge part of it. But I just there are times I just can't. Like I yeah. can't. And I, think I also fair. think we have a lot of listeners who have children who they don't want to hear it either. It's like yeah. you don't want to think about the horrible things that could happen to your kids. Yeah. Oh, such a bummer. Yeah, sorry to go down that one for a second, now, but you no, said No, it's okay. Now I feel bad because like I I didn't like forcibly make my kid go to bed tonight, but I was like a little bit more stern than I normally am because she was being pretty cray cray and I was like you are going to bed. It is bedtime. And now I feel bad about it. No, I well I think it's I think it's healthy to have those type of boundaries. I know. I'm just like, when you, when you hear about like horrible stories, like, you know, that involve children Mm -hmm. and then you think about your own, you're just like, I was mean to them. Mm -hmm. They didn't deserve that. I have, (laughs) Meg knows, but like I have, we all had COVID and then my middle son has been extremely sick for a month. Like it's, we, it's been rough and he has had a fever for like a week now and we've been like getting out of the hospital, the doctor, and he has like the flu. It's just a whole bunch of stuff. And I know that he is sick and like getting him to take medicine because like now he's on like a different antibiotic and like getting him to take medicine is like, I need an act of a higher power to get it. And I feel that because tonight I was like, take the medicine or we have to go back to the doctor and neither one of us want to do that take the medicine and then he was like coughing and I was like don't spit it out <laughs> you need this was it liquid is it liquid medicine yeah yeah because he will not take a pill like my daughter will I only do like if, we, if it's a chewable tablet no problem I did do that with a couple weeks ago after you had told me I got the chewable tablets for our daughter. But I mean, you know, you know, my middle son, he is marches to the beat of his own drum to a fault sometimes. And I didn't want to be like, because I could tell he's not feeling well. Because like what happens is like he'll feel good. His fever will break for like 12 hours. And then I'm like, okay, we're at the end of this. And then it's like, just kidding. I'm here again. And they're like high fevers, like 104. Like it's freaking insane and very scary. And yes, we've done all the blood tests. Like I've been at the doctor for a week now. But he, uh, I did it like he's so stubborn. And I can't, he's the kid that I can't get. If he doesn't want to do it, it's, I can't. Like just not happening. It's just just not happening. And I was like, take the medicine. Uh, it's fun. Yeah. It's fun doing that part. Mm. It's like <laughs> the, and then you'd, 
I need to know if this is like a normal feeling or if I am an asshole because I was like <laughs> snuggling with him and like, and all I kept thinking about after I realized that he didn't have something serious going on was he's going to get me sick. <laughs> I it's you're not an asshole because that is something whenever my kids are sick and I'm like snuggling with them like it's okay for a little while but then I'm like I have so many things I need to do mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like I love this I love this moment that we're having but like I'm so sorry you're sick but when I had COVID and I had a 103 degree fever for like a full week my oldest asked me if I was too sick to cook dinner. So it's like, <laughs> I know that when I get sick, I still have to do all the things. So that's what I kept thinking. I was like, no, oh. not again. And then I left him home today for three hours. I went to work half day after I took him to his appointment. And in that three hours, his fever came back. My husband didn't even notice. I came home. He's like sleeping in bed. And I was like, How's he feeling? He's like, oh, he feels okay. I was like, well, have you checked Does him lately? He? <laughs> because he's drenched in sweat and his fever is 103.8. And he was like, oh, well, he had went to sleep. And I was just like, I'm going to stab myself in the eye. I'm running away from this family. I washed my hands of it. I'm done. I'm no longer taking care of anyone other than myself. Tell <gasps> you later. <laughs> And then he'll wonder, he's like, well, I wonder why he, like our middle son, I wonder why he never comes to me for anything. And I'm like, well, I don't know, dad, you just let him hang out for like two hours feeling like shit. And you're like, he's sleeping. It's okay. He can't feel things when he's asleep. His room smells like a fart because he's so sweaty and hot. And uh, Last night we... My tiny one got into my bed and peed in my bed. Oh, no, that's the worst. That's like, when you want to throw the whole kid out. I was just, like, her bed's got all the layers. It's got, like, the waterproof layer, the mm -hmm. sheet, and the extra sheet, and the one. And she came in my bed and peed in it, and I was like, no. <laughs> Why? You're like, get out. Like, yep, are I you going to wash these sheets? I doubt it. Nope. But now that I'm tired, I got to throw a blanket over it and still sleep in this bed. <laughs> That's literally exactly what I did, too. I feel that. I took her to the bathroom. I changed her jammies. I, like, did the soaking, wiping method and sprayed it with some, like, I, like my vinegar cleaner I make. And then I put, like, a thick flannel sheet folded up over it. And I was mm -hmm. just like, we're doing this. This is where we got to go back to bed. This is sorry it. if this disgusted you guys, but it was like three in the morning and I just was not prepared. I could not do it. <laughs> You're a mom, you know, it's not vomit. Like I wouldn't sleep in a bed with vomit <laughs> on it. No, it's still our tiny one has started just today. But why? <laughs> but why? And I was like, nope. <laughs> like we better nip this in the bud no questions allowed and i don't i try not to do the because i said so like i don't because i, I said try so. to not do it also but sometimes it's hard like sometimes yeah. you just gotta be like when she's like answer can we we do our makeups and i'm like in the middle of cooking dinner and like stuff is chaotic my son is like crying in the other room and i'm like we no no makeups right now, baby. We can't do it. And she's like, "But 
why? And I'm like, look at this thing. Look at the chaos. Go do your dad's makeups. And so she does. Make daddy pretty. My favorite thing is like when when I do makeup on the rare occasions, well, and even like on a regular basis, I have to like, I have my little little scar on my eyebrows. Like I have to fill it in. So the first thing she does when she goes to put her makeups on, she's like, do my eyebrow? I'm like, yeah, girl, get it. <laughs> Power brow, that baby. Mm-hmm. That's what I rock. Power brows always. I've been watching these TikToks where people do like half their face, like 2015 and half their face 2020 or whatever and i'm just Mm. like it's really changed a lot in just those couple of years huh and i know i say couple enough means seven but i just think back to 2006 where my eyeliner was my eyeshadow and it was just black as shit when i think of seven years ago i think it's 2006 that's I'm what like, I'm yeah. going with. <laughs> I'm like, six years, that was 2006, it's right? fine. Yeah. Uh, one of the kids I go to school with, and I say kids because I found out that he was born um, like a couple of years before I graduated high school. And I was like, <gasps> I know. I know. Did you want to throw up? Because now I want to throw up, and I don't even know this kid. No, he's so sweet. He's awesome. And um, he, I was just like, hey, when did you graduate? And he was like, oh, 2020. And I was like, what? What? 2020? What? So that was a fun. And you're like, I was already halfway through my second midlife crisis at that mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. He was born in 2003. What? and i'm like and look at us look Look at at us (laughs) Uh, although uh my oldest asked my husband today who his celebrity crush was and he told him me and i was like like, damn right it is that's adorable Mm -hmm. he has his moments I have to tell you guys all what he did because it was such a dumbass moment that like I have to tell people. He has recently decided that he is a Cincinnati Bengals fan because we because live in Ohio. Because they won? Oh, well, right, no, it's because right. we live in Ohio. And this has been like ongoing. Okay. And they just happen to do good the year he decides that we're Ohio residents now. So he has to like the Bengals. And then we're like 40 minutes away. So he's like, we are Bengals fans. I'm not Colts till I die. What, what? But anyways, he tells me he wants to buy a football jersey. And I was like, all right, fine. Get your football jersey. Well, then I see the credit card statement, how much he spent on this football jersey. And I was like, why did you buy like $170 football? He's like, oh, all the other ones were $300. And I was like, what? That makes no sense. Come to find out. My husband couldn't find a football jersey, so he decided to have they do the custom ones, you know. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. so he had this Joe Burrow, like the quarterback guy's jersey made custom instead oh. of well, he the size was wrong. <laughs> so what are you gonna do now, buddy? It's well, custom, 
he ordered it and it's so big on him. It looks like if I were to go put on my dad's old football stuff right now and walk <laughs> around, it's like halfway to his knees. The sleeves look like this. You can, well, you can, you guys can't see, but like make can see. And it, I was so mad. I could spit. I was like, you didn't read the reviews on the sizing of these like jerseys. I was gotta like, read you, the reviews. You had a custom jersey made. You couldn't just wait. The Super Bowl's in a couple weeks. You could have got a Super Bowl jersey if your team wins. Like what? So I find this lady. I'm sending him on the sketchiest mission tomorrow because I find this lady. I posted it for sales. Like you're gonna. He's like, I'm gonna put it on the wall in the office. I was like, no. and your jersey's not gonna fit there so i was like you should sell it and then you can recoup that money because it is brand new it's obviously a hot commodity because they don't have any of them sell it and then use that money to buy a different jersey in the future when they come in stock well this lady messages me after i posted it on for facebook marketplace and she's like from Oakwood, which is like this really nice area around us. And she's like, Hey, I also bought my husband this jersey, but his is too small. Would you be willing to just swap them? She's like, It's brand new. Oh, that's kind of handy. And I was like, Absolutely. So I saved the day because he was like damn near in tears that his he wasn't gonna have a football jersey because and if he's like not a football person, I was like, All right, whatever. So that's so he has to go get it? Yeah, I'm sending him down to Miamisburg to this. Like, she's meeting him in Miamisburg because they have, my husband and son have, like, soccer stuff to do down there, so. Oh, and then you're just going to swap. That's awesome, yeah. though. But he was How? like, do you want to meet her for me? I was like, no, no. I don't want to meet this strange lady to swap out a Bengals jersey. Wrong answer, bro. I have a true crime podcast. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's that's so crazy though that it worked out like that. Yeah, yeah, kind of handy. And I'm also like, it's football. Like, I hope that her husband also just became a bagel, (laughs) 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 and he was like, you know what? I need a jersey. (laughs) That's so mad about. I was like, this is new. Like, this is not like a. He was like, you have five Peyton Manning jerseys. I was like, yeah, over the coast, over the course of 30 years, like you should have sent him to like Goodwill in Cincinnati. <laughs> like you go to Goodwill's and find one. Yeah. Cause I got two of mine from a Goodwill. Amateurs. Amateur hour mm. at your house. Oh, the whole thing is amateur hour. And honestly, I'm just like in a pissy mood. Cause like, it's been such a shit week for me. And everything that anybody does, I'm like, I'm going to stab myself in the face. Yeah, that is the second time you said you were going to stab yourself in the eye or the face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a week. I don't recommend it, but. No, I'm not going to. But, <laughs> you know, like my coffee creamer ran out. Luckily, you saved the day when you sent me my Starbucks card. But it's just been like a tough time. That is the worst, though. When you go to get your creamer out and there's not enough or there's like. Or it's gone or it's not the flavor you wanted. I'm like looking around to see if like anyone can hear there. Or when I come home from work and he had made coffee while I was at work and left it out. And I'm just like, well, I can never use this again. 
how long had it been left out? I don't know, but I won't even, t- I won't even, you know. I know, you don't, you don't play like that. I don't play like that because I do. Sometimes I leave it mm-hmm. out in the morning and if it's still there when I get back home, I'm just like, whoops, pop that back in the fridge for tomorrow. I hate vomiting and feeling nauseous more than anything in the entire world. So I go out of my way to try not to do that. To avoid it at all costs. I don't want botulism, Barbara. <laughs> Barbara, with your botulinum i don't know how to say it i kept saying botulism but it was the actual like scientific word for it and i was like i didn't practice this i'm not gonna say it i get botulism in my forehead every 90 days (laughs) on the dot see that Uh, 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 uh. not much movement there my friend another one of my friends in school she got it for her wedding last summer and she hasn't gotten it since last summer and it is still like great it's awesome. And I was, I asked her when we got back to school, I was like, do you get your Botox redone? And she was like, my wife would kill me if I did that. No, I, I want it. to, because she used to I work at a Derm's office. So she got it. Like, it was like one of the perks of the job mm-hmm. is that you got it every three months. And I was just, what? It is. I have a medical condition where I have chronic <laughs> migraines and it just happens to have a little bit of extra sometimes. And we just put it in my forehead. <laughs> we just put it in my forehead. Um, but speaking of Botox and cool stuff, it makes me think of California. And <laughs> if anyone has any like cool recommendations, because we're taking this show on the road. We're going to LA. We're going to LA. Downtown. Yeah, so let us know. Let us I've never I've been to LA like through LA once, but I've like I usually am like a San Diego Disneyland type of girl. That's how you're going through. You're going through to get to Disneyland. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we are going in March. Should mm-hmm. I not say that? Should I say that? Is that okay? We're not gonna tell you exactly when so you don't come kill us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's better. <laughs> but really, if you guys have any recommendations or more specifically things to avoid. Yeah. Or food. Because I'm all about the food life. Well, gluten free. It's LA. They're going to have gluten free <laughs> everywhere. Look how your voice changed for it. Yeah. Have you, you don't watch Letter Kitty, do you? No. They do a spot where it's like, have you ever just noticed like when you go to, it's like LA. And I'm like, so I told my husband, I was like, that's how I'm going to say it. Well, that's really fun. But have you ever been to LA? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So send us your recommendations or things to avoid. Best tacos. Um, That's all I care about. So I like sushi. Oh, yeah. I forgot about sushi. Shushi. Shushi. Shushimi. We're, we're going to be like right downtown. So I really need to know what not, like where not to go. <laughs> what to that avoid. That is very important to me. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, other than that, I don't think we have anything else to See you offer next you. Week. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, and you'd like us to keep putting out ad-free content, here are some of the ways that you can help support Gruesome. 
you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us, and you get a I-knew-them-before-they-were-famous moment. Follow Gruesome Podcast on Instagram and talk to us on our posts. Engage with us. We love to hear from you there. If you'd like to send a donation, we have a Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and to gain access to exclusive Patreon perks. If a one-time donation is more your thing, you can find our Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and our PayPal using our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, we love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether or not that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye.